Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Liberty Report. With us today is Daniel McAdams, our co-host. Daniel, good to see you today. Good morning, Dr. Paul. How are you this morning? Radiant, rare and to go. That's right. That's right. Except we're running out of problems. Everything is getting settled. Uh, yeah. and, uh, and nobody writes about Ukraine anymore. They're no. starting to write about Poland. I wonder what's <laughs> going on over there. The Polish, the Polish president talking to uh, Zelensky. And I had mentioned to you, I don't like those conspiracy things. It reminds <laughs> me of 1938. Yeah. You know, I, I was three years old there, and I remember it very distinctly. <laughs> <laughs> but today, <clears throat> we're going to talk about something really up to date. And a lot of people were and continue to be interested. And that is uh, the story of Liz Cheney. Yeah. And uh, for some reason, you know, if you're going to make an immediate, get an immediate impression of a person without knowing him and, and with license to be unfair, I, don't, I never really liked her much. <laughs> I think she's, uh, well, okay, she doesn't seem very friendly. How about that? Yeah. And... Uh, she also uh, is on a mission, but I, I uh, venture to guess her mission is going to fail. I sort of had a bad night last night, you yeah, know, things didn't go well. And the reason I think it's going to fail, that maybe not on the short run, but short run or long run, if uh, your driving force is your hatred towards somebody, eventually you're going to come up short. And in this case, it looks like her hate campaign uh, and her her idea of using that to become a unifier, yeah. you know, bring everybody together. Well, a lot of Republicans hate Trump, and yeah. uh, and the independents hate Trump, and, uh, and the Democrats really hate Trump. Then I'll just bring them together. Well, it looks like that dream may have ended, even though she might not have awakened yet. She's not <laughs> awake yet to that fact. And uh, the, the ad, the, the uh, title of an uh, article on Zero Hit, Liz Cheney vows to do whatever it takes to stop Trump. Yeah. And, and boy, you know, her job is getting tougher all the time. You know, she, she probably endorsed that, uh, you, you know, the raid. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> endorsed the raid and tried to impeach him, everything else. <clears throat> it, it doesn't seem to hunt. He's going to go down in history as the most popular president that was impeached twice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, that's, that says there's a little bit left to the system, but uh, I don't know how much is left to the motivation of those people who are, you, you know, just going nuts over uh, expressing their hatred. And, and, and they're, they're in a way terrified of him, I think, you know, uh, because uh, he, he's liable to speak his mind, uh, even though sometimes uh, uh, we have to figure out exactly what's on his mind. Yeah, yeah. But he... Uh, but he, he in the last uh, few, few weeks, yeah, I mean, he's, he did well yesterday at the elections, you yeah. know. Uh, he supported Palin, and yeah. she looks like she's going to go to Congress. And uh, I don't know what it means, but Trump got his passports back again. Yeah, now really. he can travel. But they must, they must be thinking, well, maybe, maybe he won't escape to Russia or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> something. So, so anyway, uh, it was big news. It'll continue to be big news. I, feel, I still think she's in a, in a dream yeah. about her becoming Abraham Lincoln and <laughs> unifying the country. Yeah, yeah was, maybe like Lincoln unified. Yeah, it. exactly. <laughs> but yeah, that's probably her plan. No, it was a stunning defeat by any stretch. I mean, she was widely expected to lose. <clears throat> uh, you know, there were some desperate last-ditch measures. She, she dug her dad up and put him on the screen. 
Uh, that wasn't very effective. She started begging Democrats to vote for her because it's an open primary in Wyoming. That didn't do very well, but in fact, quite a few did vote for her. So if we put up this first clip, this is the results in the primary in Wyoming. Harriet Hageman, 66.3, Liz Cheney, 28.9%. She lost by almost 40 points. I don't know if a sitting member of Congress who was not in jail or what have you has ever lost by such a massive, massive amount. It's, it was shocking and stunning. And in fact, someone on Twitter pointed out that she lost even worse because there was a lot of Dem crossover votes for her in Wyoming, the people who wanted to, to hurt Trump and voted for her. So among Republican actual voters, she did even worse than this. But of course, by, uh, as with all the neocons, uh, when they have a massive loss, when they have a massive failure, as they always do, they view it as a success, <laughs> and she's riding high like she's ahead of the party now. She's, <laughs> right. she's, her, she's her party. Her <laughs> own party, yeah. So it's, it's pretty remarkable to watch. Well, Trump seems to be pulling uh, victory out of what seems to be a disastrous situation for him. Uh, so maybe he has a better handle on what the people are thinking than uh, the people who've been in Washington a long time, those people with a lot of expertise in, in politics. But of the 10 people uh, who voted to impeach, uh, there, uh, only two of them survived yeah. so far. And I don't know what will happen there. But it looks like uh, Trump's looking good there. He was looking good yesterday. He got his passports back again. Yeah. And, uh, I, I, you know, even even that even the trial you know that soda that, that fake trial yeah. you know uh, which which people it's out of the news finally but nobody believed them anyway yeah, yeah. so it, they knew it was just a game they were playing but uh, they never change I mean they are dedicated uh, many of them are part of the cultural Marxist system they're dedicated lefties big government people and they just can't believe that anything that Trump ever said even came close to making sense, except for a few million people yeah, out there yeah. that said, well, what we want is somebody to just speak up. And, yeah. and uh, it's not that, you know, we criticize it when he's going in a direction we don't like, but when you look at uh, Trump's uh, record, he, he took some positions, I'm thinking like uh, right to life, uh -huh. you know, he took a position, who would ever think that he would be the one that would do the things yeah. and some of the things I didn't particularly like, but he did it and uh, he satisfied, you know, the Christian right like no other president ever did. So uh, for them to say he's a total failure politically, uh, who knows what's going to happen, but I don't, I, there were times when I thought, well, you know, he, he's getting hit pretty hard. Uh, he's not getting any help at all from the Washington Post. Yeah, <laughs> so, right, and, yeah. and that, that turns out to be a positive, too. <laughs> well, speaking of the Washington Post, someone who is getting help from the Washington Post, uh, let's put up that next clip, is Liz Cheney. Here's the Washington <laughs> Post's tweet today. Analysis. Liz Cheney went against the clear path. Now she leads an anti-Trump movement. What is this movement that they're talking about? <laughs> she was absolutely trounced at the polls. Only the Washington Post and the neocons <coughs> would view such a massive defeat as a great success. Now I'm leading a movement. In fact, <laughs> to add insult to injury, she says now she's thinking about running to pre for president. <laughs> so can you imagine the people of Wyoming 
basically tossed her out on her ear. She dusts herself off and says, oh, yeah, well, I'm going to be president then. She's president. I really don't need Wyoming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just need California and New York yeah. and those kind of a, And that's really what she's doing. Yeah. She wants to be uh, in, in, in business with the very, very progressive uh, Marxist Democrats. And at the same time, there is a lot of resentment against her. The people, the establishment of Republicans just can't stand them because they've... He's committed and disrupted their party. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and they got, of course, the media, which would, uh, you know, want to promote those ideas. You had uh, several Republican governors and senators who were willing to take that position. But less so now, if they want to stay in office, they're not going to be pounding on, uh, on uh, Trump, uh, anything like they have been. Yeah, well, you know, I, I have to admit, I was very happy to see her lose so badly, not just <laughs> badly, but super badly. My only, the only thing that sort of sobered me up in my glee is I, I wish she had been thrown out because of her foreign policy, her terrible neocon foreign policy, her terrible approach to government, big government neoconservatism. Unfortunately, it wasn't that that tossed her out. It was her, you know, really, as you say, it was hate. Uh, her, she was all about hate, and the people, I think, are getting tired of that. So it's kind of like, yeah, we'll take one in the W, in the, in the w column, and, and there are a lot of people who are running victory laps now that the neocons took one on the chin. I would say, you know, again, the neocons, they actually get power and strength from being wrong and losing <laughs> and being failures. So unfortunately, this is not time to celebrate the end of neoconservatism. They'll find another way around. Well, this fits uh, my argument that the foreign policy is very strongly uh, bipartisan. Yeah. You know, they, they work together. But I think now that we can call it tri-party. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, with her out there leading the charge on a new party to undermine uh, uh, Trump. But that's, uh, that, is, that is actually very true that uh, she is going to keep pounding away. She's going to be driven by hate. And I think of this problem of the hate into a campaign, sometimes short terms, you, you know, it's reflexive. People figure it out and they have uh, and they take care of the, the, uh, uh, the career of the politician. In this sense, it took care of uh, the practicality of uh, Cheney being in politics, but it hasn't really acquired her. But I think otherwise, see, I, I consider uh, the Speaker of the House of is this too strong? A very hateful person? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah. Remember when she ripped up that speech like a, like a kid, like a spoiled uh, so brat? But, but you know what? And, and there's more stories coming about her. Maybe the media is getting tired of her, too, because <laughs> I was, it was the husband, now the son. Yeah, aggressive. The son's involved. And, and, she, and she might even be the boss of the family, for all we know. <laughs> the capo. She's the boss of the Congress, anyway. <laughs> and uh, she knows how to impeach people. She's the... First, uh, uh, you know, Speaker of the House and twice impeached yeah. the president. What a, what a job. <laughs> well, let's look at a couple of tweets just because I loaded them up. <laughs> um, well, actually, here's the, here's the next one. You, you mentioned this, but let's look at it. This is a weird headline. Liz Cheney vows to do, quote, whatever it takes to stop Trump. That's kind of scary, especially considering how her dad likes to shoot people while, yeah. while hunting, right? Uh, easy there, Liz, easy. And then the next one. Here's a shout out to our good buddy, Tom DiLorenzo. Uh, Liz Cheney compares herself to former President Abraham Lincoln during her <laughs> concession speech to her loss. 
Oh my gosh, they are so delusional, the neocons. It's almost yes. humorous. And um, this year um, is an interesting year. I mean, we haven't talked as much about politics on this program yeah. uh, the whole time we've been. I mean, we've talked about politics, but we've talked more about it because you're so upset with Cheney. <laughs> <laughs> so that motivates you. <laughs> so. But uh, I tell you what, the uh, fall election will be a big deal too. Yeah. And of course, the underlying threat and the concern is, uh, is you know, they've their their hatred has driven them to be excessive in their just total ignoring and flaunting the law. Yeah. And uh, and you you read stories that used to be, oh, somebody came there and is mad as a devil and he has a gun. But now they say, well, there's a group of people going someplace and they're armed. Yeah. And I thought, maybe they are, you yeah. know. So there are some people that uh, would like to see us both, uh, both on the side of, uh, I, I guess, right and left. Uh, uh, the libertarian, of course, uh, rejects the notion that change should come apart through violence. But Republicans and Democrats... Uh, are very much willing to use it. And that's why you point out the really the bad thing was that uh, Cheney didn't lose because of her foreign policy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's still, we'll take a win, we'll be happy, <laughs> we'll probably we'll ultimately be disappointed. Well, let's move into something that's caught your attention, I know, and it's, it's pretty upsetting. Uh, something blatantly illegal, but let's put on this next clip. We saw it on Zero Hedge. Minneapolis public schools promised to lay off white teachers before cutting educators of color. That's amazing. I could, you can almost hear poor old Martin Luther King rolling over in his grave when you yes, hear something like this. And I, I saw an interview uh, this morning. It was a representative, a black Republican, and he hit it on the nose. He said, it's the most racist things you can conceive of. And the way he pictured it was, you know, this is an attack uh, to, to blame people in the past. They did wrong, they caused these con conditions, we need to steal more money from this group and give to this group way back, even if we have to give it to their grandchildren. You know, it's, it's all in the past. And then when it comes to, well, we have to change these rules, and that's what they're doing here, uh, be because uh, they, they want to emphasize this racism stuff, yeah. and, uh, and, and that's very current, but they also want to change the attitude of people so that when you hire a teacher and all the future, and continue to teach in the university that this is. And he said, this is the worst form. It's gone absolutely opposite of a, what a Martin Luther King. Yeah. Remember the great statement about him. It, yeah. it should be the character of the person, not the color of his skin. Yeah. And here, the whole country is run by the country, uh, by the color of their skin. And uh, it's a real tragedy. And when they do this, they, they're just so blunt. It's so blunt that uh, they're, they're up front. That's, that's yeah. one thing. But uh, that's part of the intimidation. They're, what they're doing is describing, these are the rules, you better watch out or you'll get canceled. And they, they won't be hired or they're worrying about being laid off. There's some people, you know, a lot of teachers aren't going back and they might have, be able to do this. But uh, there's some, some teachers sort of like in the military, yeah. you know, that for some reason they're there and, and that's their whole life and they do their job the best they can. So here they uh, are doing this with, uh, with her too, you know, uh, promote the layoff for all, t all teachers. It, well, how do we know which ones we should lay off? Uh, well, we'll lay off the, the white teachers, yeah, you know, yeah. because we know how evil they are. 
Yeah, they think that they're doing people of color a favor by, by doing that. Yeah. But um, we'll see. It's a terrible. I mean, I have to hope there will be some kind of black backlash. You know, I know there are plenty of people in Minneapolis who are not happy about this, of all colors, who are not <laughs> happy about such a thing. Yeah. Well, that's what we want to mention today. It's pretty interesting, and it's ironically interesting. We can put up that next clip. Uh, you know, L.A. had a Soros DA, Gascon. Uh, and they wanted to get rid of him because he's letting everyone else out of jail to kill other people, right, as typical. So they did a recall. And believe it or not, Dr. Paul, you know, we have the best elections in the world. Uh, it just barely, barely failed. In fact, let's look up. There was a great tweet about it. Let's put this next clip up. Um, it barely failed. This is Michael Knowles. Wow, crazy to think that almost 200,000 signatures were invalid a number that brought the petition just slightly below the threshold requirement. What are the odds? <laughs> so they went through all these signatures on the petition and they canceled out just enough so they didn't have to put it on the ballot. I think they're cheating. <laughs> <laughs> you can't say that. No, no, well, I'll be canceled. No, no that, that, is, that is really bad. And this, this control of elections, uh, you know, it, it gets to the point where uh, you know, it becomes uh, pure democracy. If you're up front and you had people register, I'm a voter, I'm a citizen, I vote, and we count the votes, you know, we could live with it. And there was a time when they, most of the time they did that. But people have been cheating in elections for a long time. Yeah. And that's the, the nature of things so often that uh, the temptation is so strong. But of course, my argument is, is if you had a libertarian society and a government, there'd be so little for the government to pass out. The only thing the government would be involved in would be the protection of your freedom to spend your own money the way you want yeah. and working to, you know, make sure there's not uh, a uh, 87,000 new uh, yeah. armed guard <laughs> yeah. people coming into your house and checking your books. Yeah. That, that's what that's what it should be about. But no, they, they just uh, they continue to do this. And uh, uh, that's why I, I can't believe that uh, most people read this. I think the very, the very dedicated Marxist type of people we don't like, they say, oh, looks like they did their job this time. Yeah. But the people who know what's going on and say, you know, they cheat in elections, <laughs> you know. And maybe, maybe uh, Trump's big mistake uh, after this last election, they, they, he should have never let anybody get away with being accused of, of uh, removing the president or something yeah. like that. He says, all I want is an honest election. I want all the votes counted. Yeah, so, but uh, that, uh, that, that, doesn't, that doesn't happen. Eventually, though, it's going to be, unfortunately, if we don't help out in having a better system of government, then the government will go to the streets. Yeah. And uh, if it were just demonstrations, see the demonstrations to stop Vietnam, they were good because they finally got Congress woke up. And, and then uh, also, uh, you know, on COVID, yeah. the people went to the streets and, and the Congress uh, woke up again and, and, and uh, things shifted. So people do, I think that's real democracy. Of course, the, the other thing that I think is real democracy is when you vote with the way you spend your money, that's why it should be your money and you get to spend it any way you want. And then the results should uh, there happen. As long as there's freedom of exchange and it's your money, you keep or spend or whatever. Uh, there are elements which becomes much more pure democracy than what, what, they, what they talk about. Uh, they, uh, they think that uh, 
you know, the dictatorship of the, of the majority is the right thing to do. That's what, that's what we are now. But that, that wouldn't be overly bad if it was the domination of, the, of a real honest vote. Yeah. But what, what if the vote is dishonest and then you say, well, 51%, you yeah. know, yeah. Well, we, we keep them, keep them, but without even questioning. Wow, that is a coincidence, isn't it? <laughs> One of the things that really struck me, and this is why I suggested to you that maybe we talk about this a little bit, is that, you know, and I'm generalizing, but generally speaking, these types, the Soros types that are elected, uh, the people that back them, they are the ones who also say it's racist to uh, require people to show an ID to vote. It's racist to require people to actually be citizens of the country that they're voting in. It's totally oppressive to make people prove that they live where they say they live. Well, let's put up this next clip. Here's why they invalidated all those signatures. These very people who said it's racist to show your ID, put up this next clip if you can. Uh, do the, next, the one before that, please. Over 88,000 of these signatures were invalidated because the person signing the petition was not a registered voter. This is what they love. They love having <laughs> non-voters in there. So, but when it comes to one of their own, well, then all of a sudden they want strict voting laws and strict requirements. We, we didn't monitor it, but if somebody had monitored every report uh, about this vote and, and everything, television, radio, and newspaper, they would never have mentioned that fact. Yeah, no, yeah. That, that would be, oh, that would suggest something something fishy going on there. <laughs> oh, they're inconsistent. And, you know, the people don't like inconsistency. Remember how we would report how a, a speaker or a senator or somebody would be preaching the gospel of why you have to obey the rules and yeah. because you're selfish and you have to protect the public, uh, public health. And uh, they, they say, say that if, if you don't do that, you're some type of an evil person. But uh, once they do that, then, then the people, you know, will figure, well, what am I going to do about that? And sometimes they feel very frustrated. But they never liked it when we were pinpointing and said, so-and-so said this, and this is what they did. Yeah. And here were there were, were, they were having a very nice dinner in a fancy restaurant. Thumb in there. <laughs> you know. Yeah, no masks. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of something fishy, and let's go ahead and put on that next one, actually. This is definitely something fishy when you talk about this uh, in L.A. Election observers won't be allowed to view vote counting in L.A. district attorney recall. So not only did they invalidate just enough signatures so they wouldn't have to have it, they wouldn't allow anybody to observe it. You know, and I've been, I was an election observer in a previous life, as you know, Dr. Paul, and this was a massive red flag. If you weren't allowed in a polling section, in fact, I monitored Hungary's um, vote to join NATO, and there was one polling station that I was not allowed in. Out of all the ones I visited, that became international news. It was headline story. I was interviewed in all the Hungarian media about it because you just don't do that. Well, here they just bank, flat out say, no, you can't monitor it. Too bad. You can't do it. It's a huge red flag if you're an election observer. Um, it really it, it goes to show that our elections here are not what they claim to be. And they wonder why the percentage of people who don't trust the government keeps going up and yeah. up, which is healthy because they, they, they uh, otherwise, you know, what I want it, it where it doesn't matter that much. You don't buy government. Uh, you don't buy influence. You 
uh, don't uh, do this through money, then you wouldn't have the money going in uh, by it, by the pharmaceuticals and the military industrial complex, there'd be no incentive because they would have have no control. But they uh, they do do this and uh, uh, and then it becomes so corrupt and they get involved in the elections. If it gets close, they just change the rules yeah. again. And I think that's probably uh, you know what has happened is uh, most people, maybe including myself as well, that uh, we we didn't realize that the people are more alert uh, than, than, than we were quite aware of. And, and people who are alert, uh, you know, they're coming around. I mean, Trump isn't getting up there and is exactly a flattering speech and soft and yeah. professional <laughs> about this. He, I think the people finally, finally saw that uh, what he was doing was he was challenging that. You know, the little conversation I ever had with the president was that the only thing that I thought it was pretty neat when you got it is that you were willing to challenge political correctness. Yeah. You know, uh, from the like day that. one he yeah. was doing that. And, and that is trying to t have people not, not settle the debate, but just to settle that nonsense of uh, allowing people to do what they want to do if they're not hurting people. Yeah. That's, that's a, a strange thing that comes with liberty is you get to do dumb things. Yeah. Don't hurt anybody. You can do as many dumb things as you want. Yeah, I do a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to close. Let's put on that last clip just to remind everyone, are you annoyed at the Trump raid, whether or not you like Trump, you don't like his house being raided? What about the IRS? 87,000 with guns with shoot to kill orders. FBI corruption. Well, you're going to want to come join us September 3rd in the Washington Dulles area. Anatomy of a Police State is the Ron Paul Institute's 6th Washington Conference. I have a link there to get your tickets. I'm going to announce another speaker, actually, because we have a great speaker, someone that we've both admired for a long time, and that's Cheryl Chumley. She's the editorial page editor of the Washington Times. She's going to come and give a talk about the police state in the media, the mainstream media's contribution to the encroaching police state. We're super thrilled to have Cheryl there, and she will be joined by people like Doug McGregor, by, by uh, John Whitehead, Jeff Dice of the Mises Institute, so many more. This is going to be another fantastic event. You're going to want to get your tickets and join us on September 3rd, Labor Day weekend. Spend a little bit of time Saturday meeting great people and having a nice time. Then you can go off, and there are some nice sights to see in the D.C. area. Go off and see some sights. Make it a great Labor Day weekend. Again, the link is in the description, so we'll see you there, Dr. Paul. Very good. And that is the problem, the police state, because whether you're talking about medicine or any other subject, uh, there's a police state out there, and we ran into it with uh, COVID. We have a police state when we fight wars that are undeclared, on and on. So it is the police state mentality. And it's uh, sort of like a cancer because uh, governments are always granted some authority, and there are some that argue they shouldn't even be granted that much. And the, the minimalists will grant authority to uh, uh, protect uh, national, national defense uh, and nothing else. But the principle, I think, is what counts. And if you can give up authority as a consent from the people uh, to take care of such and such, it, uh, you, get, you, you lose it elsewhere. 
But once we do this, it's, it does grow and grow and grow. So the police state gets uh, much bigger, and then it becomes ineffective. And sometimes it takes hundreds of years. I mean, look how long the ineffectiveness of the Roman Empire uh, took. It took so long, but it finally burned itself out and disintegrated. All empires do because they get beyond it. But you can't say some, some empires last maybe a decade or two, and they're so, so bad that people come, become alert and they react and uh, uh, ref refuse to accept the authority. So the, uh, the police state mentality might last a short period of time, but eventually I think they always burn out. And I don't know where we are right now, but I think the police state is under legitimate and proper attack more so than it has any other time in my lifetime because uh, a lot of the things that went on, whether it was the depression or the wars that went on, uh, it's always enhanced the power of the police state. And the, the, uh, the uh, wars always do this. And people, when they are uh, propagandized, people are, talk, are talked into saying, well, you have to give up a little freedom. I remember that argument coming <laughs> to me after 9-11. Uh, Ron, you just don't understand. When, when you need protection and have to be make safe, you have to give up some freedom. So that prompted me to put a line in, in my uh, speeches I gave. You never have to and you never should have to give up your liberty uh, for uh, safety. You need to follow the Constitution and maybe get devotion to the Second Amendment to assume the responsibility of defending yourself and your family would go a long way to solving that problem. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today to the Liberty Report. Please come back soon.